here's what's happening on the hill. For those visiting in person today, feel free to stop by our I'm New wall located in the lobby. We would love to meet you and get connected. We even have a gift for you. SCC Kids is hosting a summer block party. Join us on the front patio to celebrate the end of summer. Bring the kids out for some fun and get to know some families here at church. We're bringing our whole Shelby Christian family together for Rock the Hill. There will be no Thursday or Sunday services that week. Instead, service is happening on Saturday, August 5th. There'll be something for the whole family and the fun will start at 4 p.m. A meal will be provided at 5.30, followed by our worship service at 7. Feel free to bring your canopy and bag chairs for an evening of fellowship. We have a Guatemala mission trip scheduled for this fall break. Matt will be out in the lobby to sign you up and answer any questions. Our next Pathways event is happening August 15th at 6 p.m. This is our on-ramp for those pursuing involvement in these three areas. Step one starts with salvation and membership. Step two is disciple making and step three is involvement and stewardship. We encourage everyone to attend and finish these three separate workshops. We make it easy to attend by providing a meal and childcare. We had a great response last week for those interested in volunteering, but we still want to fill a few more vacancies for the fall. If you're looking to help, sign up in the rear of the sanctuary located near the picture wall on your way out. Good morning, everybody. Stand to your feet. We're going to worship Jesus today. Hope you're ready to get loud because I'm half deaf. So you got to sing real loud, right? Let's put our hands together. strength and power yours alone now and forever a love this world could never stop there is no one like our God reaching down to touch the broken mercy breaking through this moment Saves worthy is your name. Oh God, the glory is yours, the kingdom is come, and the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise, and the glory is yours, the glory is yours. Watch and wonder On that day when time is over Every heart at last proclaim Worthy is your name Oh God, the glory is yours The kingdom is come and the battle is over Jesus, in your name we rise The glory is yours, the glory is yours deserves the glory. This is my favorite part coming up, by the way. 
There's nobody besides you There has never been anyone Anything like you There's nobody besides you There has never been anyone Anything like you Nobody beside you There has never been anyone Anything like you Nobody besides you There has never been anyone Anything like you Nobody besides you church. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today? I know a lot of you in this room have probably bought a house at some time in your life, and you know how exciting it is to go through that whole process and to have it done and be able to walk into your new home. But the problem is, along with a new house comes a mortgage. And it's amazing that people spend time in their right minds to spend 20 years paying off something. Did you know that the word mortgage comes from the word we get our word mortuary from? And gauge literally means stranglehold. So mortgage basically means death hold. Doesn't that church cheer you up this morning? Once you sign your life away, the agreement's witnessed, you used to be sealed in wax, but finally it's delivered to the bank and it keeps you tied in until death or you pay the last cent. You either sign or you don't. You have to declare your allegiance or it's no deal. So what's I have to do with communion? Well, Jesus knew why he was here. Jesus had an agreement with the Father. He was a man with a mission. And the bottom line of that agreement was that he would die for the sins of the world. Just as contracts and mortgages are signed and sealed, Jesus sealed his own contract with his own blood. The fine print reads from Hebrews 9, Christ came at just the right time to take away all sin by sacrificing himself. He laid himself on the line for our redemption. Just as the contract that we sign goes to the bank to pay the full price, Jesus was delivered to his enemies. He 
gave himself up. But death could not hold him. Because he himself was completely innocent, he bore our sins. John 10 says, I have the right to give my life and I have the right to take it back. This is what my Father commanded me to do. If we acknowledge and believe in Jesus that he has died and take away our sin, we are free indeed. And this morning as we celebrate communion, we have communion stands all over the room along with our giving boxes if you want to continue to support our ministry here at Shelby Christian. This morning I want you to remember the great price that Jesus gave so that all of us could have eternal life. Let's pray together. Father God, we just praise you this morning, Lord God, and we just ask that your spirit would fall upon this room. Father, that all could feel your presence here. Father, that you'd continue to anoint the worship team as they lead us into your presence. And anoint Pastor Dave as he comes this morning to give us your word. Father, we realize that your son signed a great debt and paid for us with his, his body and his blood. So, Father, let us not forget that. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. This next song that we're about to sing together, it's called Jesus, We Love You. And at the very core of this song, the chorus sings out, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. And this is what I imagine worship in heaven. So I just want to encourage everyone in the room, let's pull heaven to earth and worship our King with what he is owed and deserved. 
Feet of Jesus. 
gave your life for mine Nailed to the cross you crucified All my sin and shame It was washed by your mercy You are the treasure I find My
one more time, just the voices. Let's give him some praise today. Man, it is good to see you guys. It's good to be back. It was good to be gone for a while. Uh, and But it's good to be back. I love that I have the opportunity every summer to take a couple weeks vacation and then some extra time for kind of a study break, get geared up, get ready for the fall. So we've done that. We're back. We're ready. And I'm glad you guys are here. But I also got to say I'm so thankful that like every week, uh, wherever I was, I'm tuning in online and watching Jason just absolutely kill it in that series uh, on, on, on those audacious uh, scandalous stories from Jesus. And it's so, so great to know that the worship is going on. We're baptizing people here and in Uganda and mission trips are going on and lives are being changed in Poland and Dominican Republic. And I'm just like chilling. So I, I love that and watching what God is doing, but I'm excited about the fall. Here's what God is doing though. Just so you know, we had another baptism Thursday night. We know we've got one coming to the next service. So as of right now, not counting next service, we're like at 62 baptisms already this year. And we've just barely passed the halfway point. Yeah, God's doing stuff. And 43 people have come as already baptized believers through Pathways and said, we want to join the church. So do the math real quick in your head. It's over 100 people that have already made some kind of public decision for Christ here this year. And it's excited to see what's going to happen this fall because I know we've got some really, really cool stuff uh, that's coming. But here's what I want to do for the next three weeks. I, like I said, I pray about when I go away this time every year, I pray about, okay, what do we want to do? What do we want to come back with? What are the messages? What are the things we want to teach over the next uh, six months leading into the fall? And it just kept, God just kept impressing one thing on my mind to come right back and do. And that was this. We say something every week here now, every week, whoever's on stage, whether it's me or Jason or Bobby, or sometimes Stu says it from the stage, we leave here every week with the exact same phrase, right? We all know, right? Get out of here, go what? Love God, love people, watch him change the world. Have you ever seen a movie twice? Ever watched a movie twice? Whether in the theater or at home, you watched the movie twice. Maybe, <coughs> maybe you went and saw a play twice. Maybe if you're like a music person, you've gone to see whoever in concert two, three, four, I don't know how many times. And anytime you do that, it, first of all, it says that you really like that, that, that show, that whatever. But isn't there the temptation that when you know how things are going to end... You kind of enjoy it, and right when you know it's going to end, you start packing up. <laughs> you start like, okay, I know how this finishes. I'm good, I'm good. And you're like, if you're in a theater, you're like almost ready to get out. You're, there's no way you're watching the credits that time, as if you ever do anyway. But like, you're, you're, like, you're done. I know, I know the ending of this. And it started dawning on me, <clears throat> what if, what if there's this chance that we say, love God, 
love people, watch him change the world so often that we take it for granted. That we don't really think about what, what that challenge is. It's partially from the, the Great Commission. It's partially from the Greatest Commandment. And they're two merged together. And so I thought for the next three weeks, I just want to talk about some, some vital signs of a healthy church. Because I think those three things are vital signs of a healthy church. Now let me say, also say this. <clears throat> when I say vital signs of a healthy church, I'm not talking about a building. All right? Those aren't vital signs. We don't have to have any of those things approved to get a certificate of occupancy. The things that we have to have for a certificate of occupancy all affect people. And it's interesting to me that sometimes government actually understands church more than we do because they're like, we got to protect people. We got to make sure there's exits. We got to make sure there's safety precautions, all those kind of things. Church is us. So when we talk about the vital signs of a healthy church, that's what we're talking about. What is it that we need to do? What is it that we need to do? Now, when we, when we leave here today, we'll say it again, and two of the things we're supposed to do, one of them we're supposed to watch God do, right? We're supposed to go love God, go love people, watch him change the world. What has become overly apparent in the last, I don't know how long, is that a whole lot of people like the love God part. No. They like the love people part. See, the world likes, let's love everybody, just love everybody, just like love people, let's be kind. We'll put the sign in our front yard. But without the first part, without the love God part in it, the love people is worthless. So what I want to challenge you to do over the next three weeks is really, I want to challenge you to bring your Bibles, really, like, like the ones that look like this, okay? Now, I get it. We've got them on our phone and a tablet, and, and I use those as well at times. So if you're doing the phone tablet thing, <coughs> excuse me, at least have like the note page open as well so that you can write some stuff down. Uh, because I want you to write stuff down. I want you to bring a journal or some of, I've had, I had more requests in the last two months for something that I hadn't heard about in three years when we, since we stopped doing bulletins. Some of you that were around in the bulletin era, remember we used to put the outline of the sermon and I never knew because we'd find bulletins laying around anywhere. And I've all of a sudden had people, all kinds of people asking me, man, I'd love to have that outline again. So here's the deal. Starting today, we've got them. And if you would like an outline to take notes and fill in the blanks, raise your hand and Ray, who's back there? I was like, he was over there. Ray and Ashton have copies. They'll bring one to you. And from now on, just pick one up at the big brown table in front of the rock wall on the way, on the way in in the morning. We just didn't want to like make 2,000 of them. But uh, for those of you who want them, there they are. But I want to encourage you, somehow take notes on your phone, on a pad, on these things. Take notes because it's important for us to be able to go back home and unpack this stuff. So here's what we're going to do today. I want to start this series, and I want to go back. I want to go back to the passage that Jason used last week. Now, here's the deal. I'm at home watching last week, and I already know what I'm preaching this week. And Jason gets up here and says, all right, if you got your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And I'm like, oh, no way. Because <laughs> today, I want you to get your Bibles out, and I want you to open to Luke 10, verse 25. Now, what I want to do is focus on the first part. Jason used verses 10 through 25, or excuse me, 25 through 28 to kind of introduce the story of the Good Samaritan, which is how the story of the Good Samaritan happened, all right? But what I want to do this morning 
<coughs> is really focus on those first three or four verses, the things that led to the story of the Good Samaritan. So here's what happens. Verse 25 says, one day an expert in religious law, stop, an expert in religious law, okay, a lawyer, a religious lawyer, a Jewish lawyer. You know that you can, you can get on the internet and you can find all kinds of jokes today about Jewish lawyers, okay? All right, but that's who this guy is, a Jewish lawyer who is trying to trick Jesus. <clears throat> he stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, in this case, replies, answers a question with a question. He says, what does the law of Moses say? Now, why would Jesus ask him that? First of all, he knew the guy's heart. He knew that the guy really is not that interested in that. He's just trying to stumble him. But he's an expert in the Jewish law, which means he would be an expert in the Torah, which are the first five books of the Old Testament where the Jewish law is laid out. And so Jesus said, well, what's the, what did Moses say? How do you read it? Now, look what he says. So the man who would answer the question, look at verse 27, understand, the man, that's the Jewish lawyer, okay? He answers his own question. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then also love, love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, go do that and you shall live. And it, it, it's really interesting to me, those, those are familiar words to a lot of us. Not just because we say them on Sunday morning, but we know they're in the Bible. Love the Lord your God. We know that. We know they're in there. But what's really interesting to me is that both Matthew and Mark, in addition to Luke, record that episode, record their remembrance, record their understanding. Now, when you read the Gospels, you also got to understand that it's not like today when there's an on-the-scene reporter and there's somebody like writing it down as they go, Okay. All those accounts are from memory, from, from these guys who were eyewitnesses remembering what had happened and they're writing stuff down, okay? And it's interesting to me that Matthew and Mark also have that, but in their version of it, there's a major difference. In their version of it, Jesus answers the guy's question. You say, well, is that a contradiction? No, it just took time before they wrote it down. I mean, there, we, something could happen right now on stage and I could ask you a year from now, what happened or what was said on July whatever today is in 2023 and there would be all kinds of responses to it. All of them probably right because they're, but they're a little different, okay? So don't get hung up on that because as I was studying for this, this message, I was reading stuff online and people were like, this is evidence that the Bible isn't true because the responses are different because this time in Luke's account, the guy answered his own question and in the other two gospels, Jesus answered the question. But if you look at the answer, it's virtually the same in all of them. And this actually comes from what Jesus or this guy who he asked, the religious the lawyer, what they are quoting is from the Torah, those first five books in the Old Testament. But most specifically, they are, they are reciting what the Jewish nation referred to as the Shema. And even today, a good Jewish person recites the Shema both morning and evening, every day. 
they know that their responsibility, their call is what Moses had originally said is you need to love the Lord your God and then with various forms of the definition with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, all right? So it's interesting that, that he asked him and the guy goes back to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, look what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. But then that religious Jewish leader also added from the book of Leviticus, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That whole love your neighbor as yourself, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. It tells us that we're supposed to love others. We'll dig into more that more next week. But what's interesting to me is that in the Shema, in the book of Leviticus, in Jesus' use of that in the Gospels, love, the neighbor, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. There is a hidden command in there that you better love yourself. If you don't like yourself... If you hate yourself, I really don't want you to love me in the same way. But it sounds egotistical, doesn't it? I mean, we've changed it today in our world that if somebody talked to you, like, oh man, they're in love with themselves. Now, what, what the Bible is talking about is understanding that you are God's chosen creation, regardless of your gender, which He created from the beginning. regardless of your color, regardless of the family you grew up in, regardless of the country you grew up in, regardless of how much money you make or where you live, we are all God's chosen creation. He loved us in the beginning, and when sin entered the world, he loved us enough that he spent Genesis 4 all the way through to the end of the maps in the Bible just trying to restore us back to him. That's how much God loves us, and because he loves us that much, we need to appreciate who we are, and we need to love others in the same way. All right? So this time in Luke's account, this religious leader responds to his own question. Other times Jesus gives a response, but it's basically the same response. But here's another interesting thing. In Luke's response, or in this man's response as Luke recorded, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. In that order, heart, soul, strength, and mind. Let's look at what it says in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus, notice it's red letters, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He forgot strength. Jesus mess up there? No, once again, let's go back to this. This is Matthew recording what happened several months, years after the fact. He's writing it down. Here's what happened. And so he just got left out. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a controversy there. Look what Mark says. In Mark's gospel, it goes this way. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's the same four, but strength and mind are backwards. All I'm saying, all I want to show you that was I didn't want you to go home and start reading that and go, wait a minute, there's inconsistencies here. No, it's just a matter of being reported after the fact, but it's the same story. It's the same message. The most important thing we can do is love God and love people. But how do we love God? I, I say this all the time. As I'm, I'm pretty convinced that if you leave here today and you go out on the street, and you, especially here in Shelbyville, and you ask people, do you believe in God? Do you love God? The overwhelming answer is going to be yes. 
Well, how do you know? How do you show that you love God? All right? I think the way you show how you love God is in the other four aspects of this passage of Scripture. All right? How did this man respond? What's in the shema? Four things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, your mind. Well, what does that mean? So this week, I did what any great uh, researcher does. I went to social media and... And on my social media, I asked for four days in a row, I asked the question, what's it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? Now, the first day, it it took a little bit of time on the uptake because a few people didn't realize, okay, he's going to like break down each one of them. Although I put on there, I was going to break down each one. So they had all kinds of things. But I copied some and don't worry, I'm not going to use your name. And they were all good responses. But I just wanted to share, here's what some people said when I asked, what's it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? Some per- one person said, to love God with all my heart means to guard my heart from the sins of this world and in return, be obedient to his commands. Remember when Paul broke down the, the armor of God, he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. What would the breastplate guard? It would guard your heart. The Bible talks about guarding your heart and making sure that what's there is pure. Another person wrote this, maybe the best way to love God with all my heart is to constantly, intentionally search my heart to make sure my actions are based on his will and not my feelings. All right? Man, man, to intentionally search my heart. Check out, you know, what, am, am I where I need to be? And then to make sure my actions are based on his will, on his will. You know, we've all got, we've, we've all got a plan for our life, right? We, we all got somewhat a plan. Even if you don't have a plan, that's your plan, all right? And you don't plan, you, you know, that, that's your plan, all right? We gotta, but we all got plans about what we want to do. What we want to do. Is anybody in here glad that your plan didn't work out? Your plan might have been disastrous. Or your plan might just not have put you in the place that God wanted you to be. I had a plan for my life. I had a plan for my life. Long before I turned 62... I was going to be retired as one of the all-time leading home run hitters in Major League Baseball. I'm not talking about as a little kid I had that plan. I'm talking well into my teens I had that plan. That was, and that was part of why I was running from God. God, I can't, I can't do this ministry thing and play baseball, so I'm choosing baseball. That's why I quit playing piano and I quit playing guitar as a kid because it was taking too much time away from baseball. And baseball's fine. I love baseball, man, because here's the deal. If it wasn't for baseball, I wouldn't be here. Hmm. It's kind of funny how sometimes God will work within your plan to accomplish his plan. Because if it wasn't for baseball, I wouldn't have ended up in a situation where I really got challenged to surrender my life to ministry. And then as some of you know, I made that deal with God. God, okay, I'll do this ministry thing, but I'm going to be a youth minister until Jesus comes back. Just don't ever ask me to preach or be a missionary. We're still dealing with that missionary thing, And what it might actually look like. Maybe it's already happening. Another person sent me this. 
Do everything that I do through a Jesus filter. Stand out from the world, letting others know I love him through words, through not just words, but actions. Another person, a friend of mine from high school, sent me this, that I offer my, my entire being as a living sacrifice. Talking about Romans 12. I build the altar, I gather the wood, I light the fire, I climb on top prayerfully, hopefully to be fully consumed for God's glory in what I do. Another, you know, I started to say young lady, not so young, young lady played, played college basketball for me when I was coaching college basketball. She wrote me this. She said, it means nothing is more important than him. Man, I was so glad to hear her say that. It, it, it means nothing is more important than him. It means consult him first. See, here's what I'm convinced of. To love God with all your heart means to love God with your emotions. Praising him with happiness and smiles and gratitudes, but also with sorrow. Also with sorrow. <coughs> Every time I do a funeral service, I have a new goal in my funeral. In a funeral service, my goal is to, at the very least, get everyone in the room to smile, if not all out belly laugh. Because the sorrow part, the sadness, the tears, that kind of comes naturally in that environment, doesn't it? But you wouldn't be there for that service if that person that you're coming to honor hadn't meant something to you. And if they meant something to you, there has to be at least one good memory that should make you smile. See, God wants us to use all of our emotions when we come to him, to love him with all of our heart. Our heart is the, the center or the, the center of our physical and spiritual life. It encompasses our passions and our desires and our affections, but there's a problem. And the Bible tells us a little bit about the problem. In the book of Jeremiah in chapter 17, look what it says there. Jeremiah, the prophet of the Old Testament, he tells us this. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. What? Your heart ever gotten out of whack? Not, not the actual beats, but just, you know what I mean. Jeremiah said, the human heart is deceitful among all things. Desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Sometimes, if we allowed ourselves, if we didn't check it, if we didn't have some friends that would check, our heart can take us to some really bad places, can't it? And all of a sudden, we can be a mess before we know it because sin brought that in. So what we've got to understand is there is this battle that's going on. It is going on right now in this room. Right now in this room. And it goes on every day since the day you were conceived. Here's the battle. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Here's what Jesus said. There is... An adversary. There is one whose sole purpose for your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. From the moment that you end up here on planet earth, Satan's number one goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's trying to do to you. But, Jesus said, but I, the other, the other person in the battle the adversary and i the great i am in the battle 
I have come to give you life. Not to steal, not to kill, not to destroy, but to give you life. And then Jesus gave it the, the adjective. He said, and the most abundant life. Not just life, not just existence, not just breathing, but I have come to give you life. And now when we go back to our passage, we are called to love the Lord with God with all of our heart because he came to give us life. Paul said, even today when they read Moses' writings, their heart are covered with a veil. Their, car, their hearts are covered with a veil. They don't understand. But when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We don't talk about veils anymore. I mean, we know there was a veil around the Holy Holies in the temple. Okay, maybe we know that, maybe we don't. You know the thing, probably the most often we've even heard of a veil, and now it's hardly ever happens. You know, when I started doing weddings a lot of years ago, brides wore veils. Some of you ladies wore a veil when you got married. And so the veil covered the bride's face, because I remember when we were doing rehearsals back in that day, I would always ask, you wearing a veil? Yeah, I'm wearing a veil. Okay, don't you blow out your candle, because that, that gets ugly when that happens, all right? All right? And, and, and so, but the whole point of it was, the bride would come down the aisle with her father, and she'd have a veil over her face. And this groom's standing out here just dying, but he doesn't get to see her fully until they are pronounced husband and wife and the preacher says you may kiss your bride and he removes the veil to see her fully and to embrace her and what Paul said is they can't see what's going on because there's a veil that covers so much Satan wants to keep your life veiled Satan wants a veil over everything going on in this world to be hidden because even Satan knows that if people could truly see, then everyone would give their heart to Christ. And so he covers everything up with a veil. I, I, I want to give you an action step right here. Here's the action step for today, for this week. What can you do this week to surrender your heart to Jesus? How will you express your love for him? Let's move on. We've got three more of these to rush through here. <clears throat> the, the second thing that it says is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, but to do it with all your soul as well. Here's some things people wrote. A lot of people, uh, on the day we talked about soul, a lot of people wrote about the soul being the core of their being. One person added, to love with my soul is to love with the innermost being without any reservation. Another person wrote, the deepest part of who you are. The place past motive or intention. My soul is the part of myself that either gets the most love or the most neglect. But it's where the long-term memories and those attachments stick and where I just know. I just know comes from. You ever had those, those moments when you really couldn't explain it, but you just knew. This is what I'm supposed to do. I just know. I just know. Another person wrote, it's an undeniable feeling when something hits your soul. You just can't shake it. And finally, another person wrote, soul is my depth, my unconscious depth, similar to breathing being an unconscious action. Loving from the soul is the unconditional, unwavering depth of love. See, the soul literally is the breath of life which God breathed into man into living being and our souls composed of so many things our mind our emotion our will and it's a large part of our heart the soul and the heart are really closely connected but God created our soul so that we could express him 
But because of the fall in Genesis 3 and sin in the world, we often express ourselves rather than God. We, we have our own opinions, our feelings, our decisions, and they're independent from God. But when we turn our hearts to the Lord, our love for him grows and he suddenly infuses, infuses himself back into us. And his thoughts do become our thoughts eventually. His feelings become our feelings. His decisions become our decisions because without him, we don't do those things the same. And as he does, this is the best part. As he does this transforming work in us, we spontaneously begin to express and to glorify him with the way we live our life. Others are going to see Jesus expressed as we love him with our soul. So here's your action step for this one. What can you do to surrender your soul to Jesus? But more importantly, just like Max on Thursday night, just like Evan, the young man that's getting baptized in the next service, if you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting on? It's the moment when Jesus comes to live in your soul. What in the world are you waiting on? We'd love to talk to you about that today. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. The third one is with your strength. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength. One person wrote this to me. When I think about loving with all my strength, I think about white knuckles. All right? You, you feel me? You know where I'm at? I think about white knuckling it. Sometimes I have to push past how I feel, which is really hard to do sometimes, and hold fast to the truth and white knuckle it for my dear life. You know, there's a lot of people say sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes when you know it's the right thing, you just got to, I got to go. I got to go. And this is what I got to do. Another person wrote this. When I think of loving God with all my strength, my thoughts go immediately to the physical, to these things, the body and all it can do for him. Hands to work, minister, serve, soothe, give, arms to lift and praise, hold, push, pull, feet to go. When he says, whom shall I send to take good news, a mouth to, to share the gospel, to encourage, to speak truth and love, eyes to see the needs and beauty of creation, ears to hear and listen for truth, joys, and sorrows. To do those things more with all my strength means I have to be intentional about how I care for my body, this vessel that he gave me, so that I will be ready, ready to go and to do those things. No matter how much we, we feel we love God, it's just not enough to say it. You know, one of the things when the, when the devil tries to steal, kill, and destroy, one of the things he has stolen are three very special words. The words, I love you. I mean, you, you can make an argument that those, especially put together in that sequence, that those three words are the three most special words that we can ever hear, that we can ever say. But Satan has made those words cheap in our world. Satan has made it to where a lot of people just throw those, I love you, I love you, I love you, and it's, I mean, almost to the point that we say it and we don't even think about it. And, you know, we, we see somebody at the mall and we're just like fist bump, I love you. Like, what? It's just cheap. It's just cheap sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. But when we say, I love you with all of my strength, means I'm going to fight for it. 
I'm not just going to say the words. I'm going to show it. Our strength, I think, is the ability to force or power that we exert in loving God. And sometimes it's hard to live out the Christian life. Amen? Or am I the only one? Anybody had struggle living it out this week? Yeah. I had struggled driving in this morning. I hope you weren't the one in front of me. <laughs> Didn't have one of our stickers, so, but I was praying, God. There was a, you ever had that moment that you're praying as you're coming down the hill? There's a part of you that's praying, God, let them turn in. And there's also that, don't let them turn in. <laughs> don't let them turn in and say it was me. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to live it out. Philippians 4.13 reminds us, though. We love this, but it reminds us that it's not really our strength. Paul said, I can do all things. That's kind of a man thing. We tattoo it on our bicep. I can do all things. But what we miss is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. Where's our strength come from? comes from Christ and so if we're going to love God with all of our strength we got to have Christ in our life because that's the only way we can have the true strength that it takes to love God to love the Father as love for the Lord pervades our heart and soul even our outward actions are affected by that so here's our action step for this for this particular part what part of your time and energy <clears throat> that's how we show our strength. What time, part of your time and energy can you surrender this week? And what do you need to surrender? Let's do one more. We're done. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. The more I dug into this in the last couple of weeks, the more I came, conv- became convinced that this might be the most important and the most missing aspect in a lot of our lives here's what some people said it's a yearning to learn more about him study the bible learn and know theology surrounding yourself with like-minded christians man that's a key i want to know more about him and his design and his plan another person wrote to me it's putting the words of paul and philippians into action to think about what is pure and lovely and honest and praiseworthy and all those things. Aligning your thoughts with God. And finally, one person wrote, <clears throat> For me in the basic, it would be thinking what, how, when, and why as God does. That just thinking as God does. However, because I'm human and limited, my perceptions are mostly skewed. Only God can correct them. That happens when I become aware of him, respond to his love and grace, and become a new creation. Then I give my thoughts to him so that they may be taken captive, brought into the correctness of Christ to renew my mind so that I no longer think as me, but I can have the mind of Christ no longer conform to my own selfishness and the world, but conform to the likeness of Christ. Transformation changed. That's why our baptism shirts say chains. That's why we talk about being a community of chains lives. Because true love, true love sets into motion change. A change in people. Our mind is the faculty of our understanding. It enables us to, to imagine and to think and to reason. And we can't love someone 
we can't really love someone that we don't know. Somebody can tell you about this wonderful person. I got news this morning, right after I got up, that my 97-year-old Aunt Eunice passed away at 620 this morning. I loved Aunt Eunice. Some of y'all appreciate her because you've heard me talk about her maybe, but you can't love her. You can't. You didn't know her. You can't truly love someone you don't know. And when it comes to Jesus, how in the world can we get to know him? We got to dig into his word. That's why the mind is so important. We got to dig into his word. We got to spend time and not just dig into it. We got to do what it says. See, here's the amazing thing that's going on today. There's a whole lot of people that read this, read this, and somehow become convinced that they are the exception to the rule of everything that this says. The rules don't apply to them. We got to get to know him. We got to read about him, get to know him, and then live him out in everything we do. Let me leave you with one more passage of scripture. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all the Bible. In fact, there's a relatively good chance that if you just take your Bible and you just open it up, it's going to end up right around Psalm 119. And in Psalm 119 in verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Notice, check, hidden your word. Where? In my heart. So that I won't sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations that you have given us. And this is written by David. And in in the Jewish heritage, you know, there were the Ten Commandments, but it didn't stop there because after the Ten Commandments, there's about 625 more that fell under those subpoints under the Ten, all right? There's like an outline, all right? And all these things that fell under. And it was important then because there had been no grace, no mercy. Jesus hadn't come yet. So the only way to get forgiveness from sin when you broke one of those commands or decrees was to do some kind of sacrifice. So you better know all the rules. And so when he says, I have received, Decided aloud all the regulations you have given us because he had to know when he messed up, but he he knew when he messed up. I have rejoiced in all your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways, and I will delight in your decrees. And it catch this, and not forget your word. We're gonna love him with all our mind. We gotta get him in our mind. And one way to set our mind on the spirit, to love God with all of our mind, is to get in his word. So here's your action step. What do you think you need to surrender in your mind this week to Jesus? Because here's the scenario. Maybe this goes, I'm going to take you all the way back to middle school. I don't know. Have you ever, like, loved someone? Or at at the very least been infatuated with someone? To the point that you were like doing crazy, stupid, doesn't make sense stuff just to get them to notice you. And no matter what you did, they didn't notice you. They didn't notice you. They didn't give you the time of day. They walked by you in the hall of school and maybe even laughed. And inside you're dying because you loved them to the best of your ability or understanding of what that really meant. Maybe it's been far past middle school, high school. Maybe it's as an adult. And maybe some of this stuff I'm talking about, it really hurts because all of a sudden I just picked a scab off. And you're remembering that time that you just loved someone to death and they didn't respond. 
least not in the way that you want it. Hurts, doesn't it? What's truly amazing to understand is that how, that's how God feels about us a lot of the time. Man, I love you so much. Why won't you acknowledge that? He's praying. I just wish they loved me as much as I love them. And as much as you hurt when you don't feel equally loved, that's how God feels. So the bottom line is this. It's pretty simple. God already loves you. And so it's time to snuggle into his caring embrace and love him in return. I don't know how deep you are. Maybe you're just getting started on this journey. Maybe you've been in it for a long time, but don't think you've arrived because there's always a deeper level in our relationship with God that we need to go to. And so I'm going to pray real quickly. We're going to stand and sing one more worship song, and we're going to ask him. And and the prayer of the song is, God, wherever I am, will you take me deeper? God, thanks for loving us enough to give us Jesus. Help us to love you in return. To, to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength and our mind. And God, wherever people find themselves today, in this moment, in these next few moments, in the time when they leave here and they study some more, will you take them deeper? And that's all we can pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you guys stand? If you need to talk to someone about that relationship, Jason's over here, Bobby will be over by the wall. We've got other decision counselors that can help you. While we sing, if there's something saying, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, well then go, then go.
Yes, I know this life I live is not my own. And eternity with you will be my home. But until the day I bow before your throne, take me deeper. Yes, I know this life I live is not my own. In eternity with you will be my home. But until the day I bow before your throne, take me deeper. I lift my hands in Something that we haven't announced in a couple places on Facebook. Brand new thing that's coming this fall. I know homeschooling has become a bigger and bigger thing in our country, in our community. And this fall we are going to have what uh, HHH, uh, Homeschool Hub on the Hill. On Fridays, there's going to be a group of homeschoolers that meet here from 9 to 12. We've got a person from that attends here that's going to be the director. We've got some people here who are going to lead different things. There is kind of an information meeting about that Tuesday night at 7 o'clock out in the lobby. So if you're interested in that, that's something that affects your family. Uh, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, you can find out more about what that's going to look like. Uh, also, uh, just remember, two weeks from today, there won't be anything going on in here on Sunday morning. There won't be anything on Thursday night. Two weeks, two weekends from now, on Saturday, August 5th, on, over on the athletic complex. Some of you are like, what, we got an athletic complex? Yeah, we got an athletic complex over there. We're having a combined worship. We used to go to the park, and we've been talking about it on video stuff, but we just got to remind you, because don't show up on Sunday. It won't be, this won't be happening. It's all going to happen Saturday night, 4 o'clock. There's going to be games. 5.30, there's going to be the picnic. 7 o'clock, there's going to be worship. It's going to be all three of our services combined. It'll be a great time for everybody to get to see everybody, and a great time for you to bring friends and bring lawn chairs and stuff. And we'll have tents and all kinds of things.
think. So just remember that. And then finally, guys, tomorrow or Tuesday when the e-news comes out, will be early registration, sign-up form for the Uncommon Men's Conference at the end of September. You need to be here for that. And trust me, you'll want to do the early sign-up, the early bird sign-up. It's worth it. Ladies, if he's balking on that, just sign him up and tell him he's going. He needs to be here and you'll be better off for it, okay? All right, so here's the word. Love God, love people. Watch him change the world. We'll see you guys.